I've always thought those are the coolest uh, calls there are. You know, letting the crowd kind of tell the story for you, and then you can step in. You know, give them give them five seconds to clap and cheer and scream, and then say what happened, or call it right as it happens and then shut up. You are listening to a special edition episode of the Greyhound Guide, the official sport management podcast for the University of Indianapolis. This episode is part three and the final edition to our Sports from All Angles series where we are covering sports from the aspect of an author, a film producer, and today a broadcaster. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Who are some of your favorite sports commentators? Growing up, my fondest sports memories were NBA games with Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Uh, Being an avid Ohio State fan for football games, any primetime game with Kirk Herbstreet in the booth is always better. I've always wondered what goes into preparing for that type of role. When a game is a blowout or someone gets injured on the field, there seems to be endless stories about various backgrounds of players and their lives beyond athletics. Here to tell us more about this game day role is Jake Kiefer. He is a commentator for UND football and women's basketball. We first met back in 2015 when I started uh, doing stats for Lawrence North High School and he was a senior there. So happy to have you on today, Jake. And Cody, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, let's start with the first question, the fun one. If you could call a game with anyone in the booth with you, a dead or alive, who would you choose? So if I can like rework the question here, I'll give you two. I'll give you one dead and one alive. Okay. Um, the person who passed is going to have to be, and it's very recent, but John Madden. I mean, I grew up playing Madden, hearing his voice all the time. I, I wasn't quite uh, old enough to like experience him on many calls in the NFL, but um he's just he's bigger than life i guess he's one of those kind of people and he was one of the first commentators that uh really understood all aspects of a broadcast and i think that's what made him so great i mean he he pretty much uh invented the telestrator or made it popular and like that that's something i haven't had experience using yet and i really want to learn how to do so john madden would be the person uh, no longer with us that I'd love to be on the call with. Um, somebody who's alive, I would say uh, probably Mike Breen. I mean, Mike Breen's like legendary bang call is just like to hear that in person and be there, it'd be electric. Okay? And most of the time he's making those calls, it's against my personal favorite team. So <laughs> um, I'd like to, yeah, definitely like to be on the call with Mike for sure. Have you seen uh, uh, that Madden documentary, did you see that? I caught the last like 45 minutes of it uh, the day after. I think they ran it the day after he actually passed. Yeah. And it was um, fascinating. I mean, very well put together documentary too. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I want to. I just, um, in the Monday Night Football game this past week, they were highlighting parts of it. And I didn't know they were talking about how he was like the first commentator to ever like interview people before like, the week leading up to the games and then they mentioned the telestrator so i didn't know that stuff about him oh yeah 
yeah, he, like I said, he's like the first person to really under, truly understand every aspect of a broadcast. And, and that's kind of what made him so great besides his extensive football knowledge, but yeah, um, he knew what was, what was happening and why it was happening. So I want to know before we start talking about your commentating, what your degree path is at UND. Yeah. Um, so I'm a communications uh, major with a concentration in electronic media, which is like a fancy way of saying broadcasting and uh, also sports information. Okay. Gotcha. So obviously like you, so you didn't start out at UND, but got here. So how did you land the role of calling games? Uh, it's a, it's a weird story really, because uh, like everybody else, uh, coronavirus happens and, um, and it, it's kind of has twists and turns. So as a freshman, I believe my second semester there, I was actually coming to UND to major in PR, uh, believe it or not. And I couldn't get into my PR uh, foundations class, which as you know, uh, you have to take like a foundations class before you can get into like the really cool uh, upper level classes. So I was waitlisted for that class and nobody ended up uh, dropping it so I could get into it. And uh, I decided that I had to take uh, what's called foundations of radio and television, foundations of applied radio and television. So I took that class and that class was split in half, like half of the class does radio. And then the last, however, half, half of the weeks that we have does television. And so um, in the second half of that class, I met Dr. Steve Cohen, who um, now I know is like an awesome person and I absolutely love him to death. Um, and he taught the TV side of everything. So he knew my background a little bit that I had played basketball and baseball in high school. And um, he just asked me, we're looking for a commentator. We're looking for a play-by-play -play person. No, I believe actually it was color commentary at the time. You know, I think he already had uh, some people set up. And um, I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, I really kind of took a chance on myself. I, don't, I honestly couldn't tell you why I said yes uh, that first time, but I'm glad I did. Um, it really got me out of my comfort zone. So then COVID happens. and. Um, you know, we can't really do our broadcasts like we normally do. The play-by-play -play guy or guy that was scheduled to be the play-by-play -play guy uh, got moved off the broadcast because we could only have so many people in the gym at one time. So I shifted from being a color commentator to being a play-by-play -play person that way. Gotcha. Can you explain real quick what the difference is between color commentating and the play-by-play? Yeah, that's a good question, too. Um, so the play-by-play -play guy is the guy that calls what's happening on the field or the court, like number 23 or Johnson passes to Jefferson. Um, and the color commentator is the guy that says, well, this is why Johnson passes. So like in Monday Night Football terms, like Steve Levy or Levy is – the guy that talks about what's on the field and then Lewis Riddick is like the guy behind the scenes stuff. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. So you said that you said yes to the role and not really sure why. Um, 
after you got into it, I'm curious. And like I said, it might be different for different sports. Like how much time do you put into preparing for a sports contest? Well, um, I've been told from multiple people that, I mean, the rule of thumb for almost anything is like two hours of outside work for every hour that you're doing something. So we apply that um, and say two hours for every hour of the broadcast. Um, it can be more, it can be less. That's not a finite limit. Uh, for football, it gets a little tricky because you have so many people on the field all the time. Um, I've learned to overload my, my spot sheet yeah. with as much as possible and uh, just hope for the best <laughs> um, and hope there that, well, you never want to see anybody get injured, uh, first of all. Hope that doesn't happen and also hope that they're like not mad at their entire first unit. <laughs> for basketball, I would say um, it's a little more laid back for me personally because I feel like I know that game through and through a lot better. So I have time to glance at my spot sheet a lot more with that because I, not that I know what's going to happen, but I can kind of predict a little bit when I have time to look at it if I don't know a name. But I probably spend, yeah, two, two to one's a good ratio, I would say. Is it? So, like, you have a basketball background and baseball. So, and I'm assuming, did you watch, like, football growing up, like, NFL in college? Oh, yeah. I mean, I played for a few years. I okay. School. I would just, I don't know. Like, I watch a lot of football, but I'm like, I don't think I would call it. Like, I don't know. That sounds tricky, like, if it's not something you have – a big history with could you uh touch on maybe go through some like things that you do to prepare for a contest like i know in that question i put i didn't know if you guys were you know looking at seasonal stats reading articles if if at the college level if you guys have ac access to do like interviews yeah um it depends um the only person who does interviews is our sideline reporters I think we can have access to do it. It's just with COVID, everything's yeah. really kind of totally changed. Um, really what I do to start is um, I look at the other team's roster. I already know my roster really well. Um, that's the first step for sure. <laughs> so I look at the other team's roster, um, just kind of give it a quick look over. Um, look on their website to see if they have, you know, articles about their last games uh, or game notes from their last games. A lot of teams will uh, either on their schedule or on articles about the game that they previously played, they'll release their game notes that they released to uh, all the, all the press and broadcasters and stuff. But that really depends on the SID uh, sports information director is what I'm learning. We have a great one at UND uh, shout out to Ryan Thorpe. Um, but other schools have not so great ones that don't really do too much uh, outside work. So um, then what I do with the roster is I make, I'm a big flashcard guy personally. So I make flashcards for literally, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, I'm a big paper and pen guy too. I think that's uh, a lost art form. Um, but I make, at least for the starting 11 on both sides of the ball for football, I need to memorize their names. Football, you have a little more time in between, yeah. like, when the action starts and ends. 
to figure out who's doing what. Um, for basketball, I just learned, you know, the whole team because there's only 11, 15 ish now with the new COVID rules. So when you're watching, like, uh, it just happened on one of the bowl games this past weekend. Um, they made a call and they, the commentator said the, he said the right number, but he said the wrong name to go with the number. And then pretty sure it is, um, there was a guy in the NFL or in the NBA, I'm spacing his name right now, but he was notorious for like, if he said it was a three and then the person like had their foot on the line or was well inside it, he'd be like, Oh, the ref changed it to a two. He like had a funny way of correcting it. Uh, What is your way of going about if you say something wrong and like you catch it? um, Is there like an unwritten rule that the guy next to you is supposed to cover it or that you need to cover it? Just let it go. Um, I don't really think there's any wrong answers there. I personally just own it. <laughs> like, uh, my last game that I called, for example, I kept getting, there was a number 13 and a number 23. And sometimes from the angle that we're calling from, you know, we're at the top of the gym and it's not that big of a gym, but, and it's totally my mistake. Like I, I'll own it. But sometimes from that angle, twos can look like ones. And <laughs> And especially when their jersey starts like uh, wrinkling up or whatever, because it's just a little bit too long, it gets difficult. Uh, so I just say pardon or uh, correction. That was number 23, Jones, not number 13, Alexander. Or, yes. I think that's the best way to go. I've always learned that if you're honest about things, people tend to accept them a lot better. Cause like, I just, I know in these football games, like when there's three people in the booth or whatever, and the guy messes up and then like the player stands up or whatever, and you see the number and the name and you watching, you're like, he did not say that name. And then you know that all the guys in the booth, but they don't fix it. I just think it's funny. I I do too. And then that's, that's my thing is I'm not, I'm not trying to imitate anybody. I'm trying to be myself, you know, I'm trying to do my own thing. So I think that, that I, I, how I'm doing it is the right way, but I'm sure that those guys have been doing it like that for yeah. 50 years. Most, some of them, like, I don't know. There, there's points to be made for both, I would think. So that next question I had, I kind of asked, like, if you memorized a bunch of stuff and you've referenced, like, the notes that you keep on hand. Uh, would still like to ask the second half of that question because I don't know what the technology is like that you guys use, or maybe if you've seen other schools do it differently, but because when you see the professional level and stuff, I'm pretty sure that there's like the statisticians on hand that give out like random, like, Oh, if they make this three, it's the record for most consecutive, whatever's Um, do you guys have, um, is there like someone in your ear or is there someone within reach? Like, I don't know if it's the SID's role or someone else in the department that would like feed you guys information if something like historical was about to happen. We do not, unfortunately. Um, We work with a lot of students and then our program director and uh, who I previously mentioned, Dr. Cohn. Um, And sometimes some of the people working the game might know something, but that's not because they're supposed to know something. Um, what we get is in the game notes for, uh, at least for football, and I think for basketball too, 
um, or like in some of the articles before written before the game, previewing the game, they'll mention so and so is close to a thousand points, or <laughs> they're five away from a thousand, or you know this QB, the quarterback's thrown for five hundred yards in three straight games. Um, but in the game notes, for, especially for football, uh, they have this whole section. It's probably two to it's six or seven pages long of the last time blank happened. Yeah. The last time we rushed for 300 yards, the last time we threw for 503 touchdowns, or the last time somebody had 20 solo tackles in a game. Gotcha. It's very extensive. It's very interesting, too. Do you keep, um, when you guys are calling, do you have your phones uh, set to like the streaming of the game? Do you get stats that way, or is it given to you like between quarters? Because I, when I worked at, you've mentioned the game notes several times. I wasn't even aware of something like that until when I went and worked at Vanderbilt and I saw the SID would go and get them between quarters or sometimes like media timeouts and she would give them to press row during that time. Um, so how's that work for you guys? So for football, um, actually for football and basketball, we have a live stat, um, stat bot that you can get from our schedule online. And it's not like quite real time, which sucks, but um, it, it, it updates probably like five seconds after something happens. So you should still know what's going on and what's happening, but like you have that at a level there. Um, but for uh, football specifically, our SID will hand out stats uh, in between quarters throughout the booth. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to know that this running back has scored, you know, four touchdowns in two straight games. Like he's yeah. not going to feed us something specific like that. So, yeah. Cause there's just the current, it's not the seasonal stats. Yeah. So this next question is one that like I tried to not type in. Cause I told you I had some questions. I was just kind of embarrassed of, but this is one that I'm like, it's probably my favorite question. So when there are multiple people calling a game and you've referenced how like people have different roles, whether you're calling the play or describing the, like the setup of it. But when it's something like an injury or a timeout or something like that, that isn't scripted, how do you guys behind the mics determine whose turn it is to talk? Because I swear when I was typing this up, I was trying to think, I'm like, how many times have I seen an awkward moment where two people have talked at the same time? And I'm like, I don't know if I've seen it like five times. So I know if you guys had some hand signals you were giving each other or how it worked. Um, I think it's just practice really. Uh, it's chemi a lot of chemistry. Um, the first time you're going to call a game, like, so the first time I ever called a game, I called it alone. So I called all of last season's basketball games, women's basketball games alone. And I think that allowed me to kind of get what I know I'm going to say down. So this season I have a color commentator. and It's actually her first season being the color commentator for, uh, she hasn't, I think she did play-by-play -play for basketball in high school for a little bit. She's more of a football person. Um, so she's at least got the base down of how that dynamic works. I think it's all a give and a take, really. Um, you know, you try to, 
limit talking over each other. Um, but I'd rather have somebody talk over me than not talk at all. Than awkward silence. Yeah. yeah um, we're finally like you fall into a rhythm sort of and uh it's all practice because if i mean if you don't spend the time like me and her meet outside of you know class time or outside of game time to just go over our film and like break it down so that we can learn better oh probably should have waited an extra half second there to talk or um but it, it's not like planned. And I also, uh, to touch on the scripted, we're very loosely scripted. Like we don't, we don't have at, you know, the 459 mark in the second quarter, you know, talk about this. And I, I know, I know what you meant by that. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't mean it. Um, but I think that's an, an interesting aspect. Like the only thing that's kind of scripted is our opening when it's like a three shot of the sideline reporter, the color commentator and yeah. me um and that's just like us for the 10 minutes before the game that we're not doing something else trying to come up with what we're going to say it's not like written down and printed on a script that we practice so i thought that was interesting i guess so how do you like before you did your first game and like you agreed to the that role do they is there like a training in place or like a practice where they give you like a half and they have you do it on your own and send it back so they review it or uh no uh you do have a demo uh kind of an air check type situation where uh i mean they'll make you call like two minutes five minutes game um and i did horrible actually on mine they were just so desperate that they picked me (laughs) um and and it turned out fine i mean i'm doing very good now um but i I was stressing up until uh up until the ball was tipped on my first broadcast actually because i i mean it's natural to have nerves but uh i don't know i you know you feel like you're gonna get fired or something like the glvc sports network while it's not you know big 10 network it's still it's one of the better conferences in division two so people are watching um and on your first one were you calling both sides like you said were you the only one yeah yeah yeah. um and i mean i i attribute it partially to like i would watch a game and and just dissect the call uh every night for like the two and a half weeks leading up to that um and i also was playing a lot of 2k uh which i think helps like (laughs) If I'm going to give advice to anybody who wants to start calling a sport, start playing that sport video game. It's a really good way to learn, like, how to – and pay attention to the commentators, obviously, but it's a really good way to learn it. That was actually going to be a question, so that was perfectly timed advice. Yeah, I, it sounds crazy, but it worked for me. So if it can work for me, it can work for anybody, I think. I I don't know. I think that's crazy. Like I did a lot of stats stuff at uh, Vandy and yeah, before they let you like go behind anything and like what I did at LN, uh, like when I was there with coach DeSalle, like I would sit on the practices and mess with that laptop. And then at Vandy, it was obviously way more intricate. And so, yeah, that's kind of interesting that they don't have like a, that there's not, I don't know, just like some training etiquette thing for you. 
And that is really, that's really stressful when you're the only one doing like a two person job. Cause I've done, uh, like I've done stats where you have to keep it for both teams and especially in basketball, like that is unreal. Like when there's a missed shot and then, you know, it's a missed shot, a rebound for the other team, a field goal attempt, like it's crazy. So I, especially yours is nonstop verbally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what we did this year, uh, we did, we did the demo track obviously. Um, and that was kind of my way to introduce myself to my color commentator. Um, but she felt like her skills weren't quite where she, I, I guess she felt they needed to be. Um, so we had training sessions weekly, but that wasn't like they required us to do that. Yeah. It was like, she just wanted to sit in and watch basketball and like pick my mind so she could know her stuff. And I don't think she gave herself enough credit for what she knew because she's, sometimes she says things where I'm like, wow, I didn't even think of it like that. And I've been watching this game for 24 years. So yeah, I mean, there's prep that goes into it. There, there always, there always will be, but whether it's required or not, it's the real question. So I don't have this on here, but you just mentioned like the GLVC network and stuff. Since UND is a division two uh, school, do you think, and with the opportunities you have, um, does it meet like what expectations you had going into the role and have you maybe had a chance to talk with other people at other schools and maybe other divisions and just to see how it lines up? Because like, we're not going to lie. Oftentimes division two, like if you're not division one, people really, they kind of scoff at it, but yeah. people don't realize there are a lot of opportunities at the division two level, especially with you, Andy, like you've said, our athletics, I mean, if you follow any of the social media pages, there are constantly like national rankings updates. Oh yeah. Like it's good. It's high level. It's just not the highest level. Um, I mean, what heck our soccer team was beating like D one teams in the spring. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Uh, like I know that we might not have the technology or whatever that other people have in the resources, but do you feel like you're, still getting the most out of it even though oh absolutely like i mean you have you've talked about your supervisor and the support that he's given you and things like that yeah i mean we definitely i wouldn't have gotten this opportunity if i went to a ball state or an iu and and entered the media schools there um the way they do it there is they you know seniority holds quite a bit of weight which i'm not saying it's what's wrong or right um, but you're not going to get on camera until like midway through your junior year. Yeah. You're also not going to be able to call any of the games because they're all outsourced and ESPN or the big 10 networks putting them on. You might get to do it through big 10 student you or whatever, but nobody watches those broadcasts anyways, because they're not good. Um, man. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, I think we have a great program here and I think that we have a lot of support, uh, support systems and technology in place that, uh, really did meet my expectations. Um, also I didn't really have expectations because <laughs> I'm so new to this. Like, you know, the men's, the men's play by play, uh, guy is one of my good friends, Nathaniel Finch. Um, he's been broadcasting since, you know, freshman year of high school. So, 
Uh, so he had that prior experience <laughs> and he had those prior expectations. Uh, so I, I think, I think we do it well, but I don't know. Um, it seems like we do. And I haven't really had a chance to talk to people at other schools uh, because COVID. And I, I hate to keep bringing that up on here, but it really has changed the way we broadcast things. Um, uh, we just recently stopped wearing masks for the opening and uh, allowed talent not to wear masks because all of our talent's vaccinated and we feel comfortable around each other. But like that could lead to my color analyst having to be the play-by-play person if I get sick and yeah. having to yeah. scramble around and find a new roster. And that's, that's difficult, especially in these times. Now with the experience you have, you said you have two semesters left, I think. Um, what are your overall career goals? Like what, what would be your ideal first step after graduating? Um, we'll see. Um, I'm going to intern this summer, uh, probably at one of the news stations around town. Um, I, I think the next step, the next logical step would be to go and get my demo reel made, obviously. Um, and just start sending that off to anybody who will look at it. Um, I've had the pleasure of going to, I guess not going to, but uh, virtually attending uh, Sportscasters uh, conference this past summer. I was going to ask if you guys had anything like that. Uh, Yeah, so I didn't know that we did until like a week after the school school year ended. Dr. Cohen emailed me and said, hey, we have some extra money left over. We want to send you and Nathaniel to this virtual conference. Um, If you guys want to go, like no pressure, nothing. And so we texted back, like, absolutely. Like, why wouldn't we use this opportunity? So um, we got to meet a couple, not necessarily like um, A-list broadcasters, but a lot of people that have been grinding it out for years in the industry and I think that's the best way for us to learn because we're not gonna the, the chances that we get a job on ESPN or a job on uh Fox Sports are few few and far between um so the next step would be with those contacts I made with those guys to knock my demo reel to them and see if they have uh, any connections looking for jobs uh there's good there's very good websites like teamwork online um where you can find not only sports broadcasting jobs with specific teams, but you can find like event planning jobs with teams or concessions jobs and stuff. uh, If you're really just looking to work in sports. So there's resources out there for sure. Um, For me, I'm probably going to try and see if Chris Denari from the Pacers has any type of internship or any need for somebody else. Yeah, uh, to sit in or something probably won't because Quinn Buckner does a great job. But that's just that's me getting my name out there. So if he hears somebody asking about something to do with play by play or needing a play by play, that gives him a chance to think. Oh yeah, I know Jake Kiefer and he's into that, and he sent me his demo reel. So let me pour that over to this guy. So it's just reaching out basically. I, I want to ask, because you mentioned right at the beginning of that question, um, like sending out your reel and trying to get information from local uh, local news stations. Is there, because I saw that the 
the picture on your LinkedIn was in front of like the UND TV crew. Um, is there a big difference? Obviously, like being on TV in that setting and like calling a game, you know, a lot of times those people are whatever, they're standing in front of a green screen or wherever, whereas you're sitting behind the booth. But other than that, is there a big difference? Like, say you got a role at a small news station and it was like, you know, the sports corner and you covered stories like that. Is there a big difference in skills required to do that than um, than to do like calling a game? Because in my mind, like one looks more like journalism and then one is more, you know, the knowledge of the game. But I would imagine that they overlap at some point. Um, I think that they there is overlap there, uh, but I don't think it's as overlapped as most people would think it is, I guess. Um, I think the sports broadcasting, the like play-by-play and color aspect of it, um, they're very unplanned. Uh, there is there is a loose plan, but you never know what's going to happen. Um, there's a lot of on-your-feet, quick thinking that goes with it. Um, and it's more entertainment, I guess, I would say, uh, than journalism. Um, and then you look at, you know, an Anthony Calhoun at Channel 8, yeah. um, there's a little more of a process to that broadcast. Like when he's sitting and talking and doing his Wednesday huddle with Carson Wentz or whatever, um, there's more of a process, a technical process that goes with that, I guess. Um, there's a lot more structure, I would say, in a news setting than there is in a sports setting. But I also think that knowing how to be a good journalist uh, would lead to being a good on-air talent. Uh, for a game because there's so many aspects of journalism that still happen yeah. Uh, on air. Yeah. I was just curious because I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that you did that stuff until I saw the, saw that LinkedIn picture. Uh, yeah. I have fun doing that too. I mean, being a news anchor would be very cool too. So logical next step in that is send out a demo reel for that. And <laughs> look for job, job openings. So how long have you been calling games now? This is my second year. Okay. Uh, I have, so I have two basketball, one and a half basketball seasons under my belt. Um, I have a spring football season, uh, which is weird. Um, and then I have uh, this past fall, yeah. which was finally a full season. And so was- <laughs> when you like recap it in your, in your head over the past few years, all the, all the games that you've done uh what are some areas that stand out that you see that you've grown in as a commentator and where are some areas that you feel like you still uh want to improve on i really like this question because there's always going to be things that you're going to have to work on uh in any aspect of any job especially in broadcasting um and i feel like people don't acknowledge the areas that they're good at uh enough uh in my opinion, I guess. Um, so some things that I'm good at on air, um, I'm very conversational. Uh, I want you to feel like I'm sitting on your couch, like with you and just having a conversation with you. Um, I think that that style of sports broadcasting 
rather than the uh, prim and proper uh, delivery, I guess. Uh, it's just, it's better in my opinion, I guess. Um, and I don't know, there's there's arguments, this is all subjective, like there's, there's arguments being made for either way. Um, I'm also very good at, um, I guess, spotting stuff that's happening that you maybe wouldn't think of um, if you're watching the broadcast. The other day, a uh, team was playing uh, a matchup zone uh, instead of a just regular 2-3 zone uh, against the women's team. Um, this might have been two or three games ago. And I explained the difference between the matchup zone and, and a regular zone because I feel like that's something that people need to know and people would like to know because that's not something that not a lot of people understand. And things I need to work on, um, word choice a lot. Uh, I tend to find something I like and just hammer it home over and over, especially if it goes quick. Do you have a catchphrase? Uh, not yet. We're to to coming soon. To be determined, coming soon. Um, I don't know. I, I've I've thought about it, but I've also thought like you're not there yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're not on ESPN or NBA on TNT. Like nobody cares about your catchphrase. <laughs> you you don't average two million viewers a game. Like. <laughs> I don't know. You bet would be a cool one, though. Like, <laughs> shoots the three, you bet. We'll see. <laughs> uh, so, honestly, so you answered kind of the practice one. Uh, I guess the only other thing there would be, uh, and you mentioned the conference, the virtual conference that you guys went to. Are there other resources that you've utilized or maybe that you know of that are beneficial to um, improving as a commentator? Obviously, you actually mentioned like probably the most practical one for listeners, the 2K playing. Um, but is I'm just trying to think of if there's like an interactive thing that you could do. Like, I don't know, like I'm thinking of the NCAA Hall of Champions. They have that. Uh, I don't know if you've been there. They have that. Uh, like booth where you make a call as a referee like you choose what the call is yeah yeah so i'm just trying to think if there's something like online that's an interactive thing where like you can make a call as a commentator i don't know not really um a big thing to do uh just watch old games um find your favorite commentator and just study the ever-living crap out of them pardon pardon my french i guess but i mean um or turn the volume off uh on one of those calls and just insert yourself there um that's actually pretty like popular amongst like a couple guys on tiktok and stuff do that stuff yeah i mean because there isn't there isn't that interactive thing uh, out there which somebody should probably hop on that because they'll probably make a lot of money off that as far as other resources um the conferences that I that I attended was put on by STAA, which is like a sports talent agency. Um, I'm I I'm a college student, so I'm kind of broke and I can't afford yeah. to pay their membership. But I plan on joining that as soon as I graduate. 
Um, it's not too expensive. It's just not cost efficient right now. Um, and they have uh, different templates for spot sheets and running score sheets. I mean, there's resources. I don't know what I don't know when it comes to this stuff because I'm so new to it. Um, so there's there's resources on there, things that I wouldn't even think about, like running running score sheets, which is just an extra sheet. So you know that this team went on a 12-3 run in the past two minutes, 10 seconds. And that's a little much, in my opinion. Um, I think that our stat bot uh, on our website does a heck of a job. And I mean, we're talking, they have, they have runs, running scores, uh, sh shot charts, uh, split stats, uh, usage statistics, like even the really analytical crap that I don't understand at all. They have those stats. So yeah, there, there's resources out there, uh, but the issue is don't overuse them. Um, I feel like some people tend to just fall into a trap of reading stat after stat after stat after stat. And at some point, it's more than just numbers. You know, it's it's a basketball game. And at some point, you just got to tell somebody, wow, that was a really awesome pass and a very cool finish. I mean, I don't want to hear that. Well, he's he's eight for 10 on 70 degree days when the wind's blowing, you know, 17 miles to the Southeast, because what does that mean to somebody who doesn't have a, a big football background? Yeah. Or basketball background, whatever you call it. So that was really all the main questions. I have one just based off what you just said. So last one, is it hard? So like, obviously when people are sitting around watching a game, like, and they're living with their friends or B-dubs and like a play happens, whether or not it's good or bad, like there can be overreactions when you're around familiar people. So whether or not it's like, you know, a half court shot, a halftime that goes in or something like, are you guys, how much emotion are you guys like allowed to show? And are there times where you like, know you have to dial it back for the purpose of the call? I just, I send it, <laughs> uh, like, full send. Uh, no, um, there's not really a rule of thumb, I guess. Uh, I Honestly, I go on feeling a lot. Like, if it feels like a big play, most of the time, you know, you know it's a big yeah. play. If it's a big play, if there's a big crowd there, I like to let the crowd breathe a little bit if a big play happens and like we'll, we'll say like a three-pointer from five steps behind the three-point line to take the lead with like a minute left and then the uh team that just uh just went down in the score uh calls a timeout probably gonna be a pretty big crowd pot right i've always thought those are the coolest uh calls there are you know letting the crowd kind of tell the story for you and then you can step in you know give them give them five seconds to clap and cheer and scream and then say what happened um or call it right as it happens and then shut up other than that uh man i don't know it, that's that's a good one um i was just curious uh, because i don't know if you've seen that like video that went viral it was like a couple months ago uh spike ball was looking for a commentator for like their national championships and so they put out a post on tiktok and it didn't have any sound and they they said like make your sound of this and this mm. one dude this one guy made a sound and 
it actually wasn't that bad but like his enthusiasm level was just so funny and i don't know who they went with like he had millions of views but that's just why i asked because that's obviously a very niche sport too right right um i think that yeah you'll you'll know when it's a big moment i mean don't if somebody hits a wide open layup like <laughs> i don't know there, there's a thing called an announcer growl too um where you kind of clench your throat a little bit and it gives off the illusion that you're yelling or a little more excited without like making it so loud i like to use that um i've never heard of that i don't know what the technical <laughs> term i'm sure but I, yeah just you'll know you'll know when it's a big play that's that's the main rule of thumb i guess so that was really all the questions I went through. Um, actually, I feel like I know more about it now than I did, which is good. Sometimes I get off these, you'll do an interview and you're like, I have more questions than I came with. <laughs> but thank you for doing this. I, yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, That's, it's been a while. First, uh, first podcast experience. So yeah, maybe I'm handing this over to you in a few weeks. So oh, really? <laughs> but I hope your mom and dad are doing good. Tell your dad I said hi. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm gonna look up the schedule and hopefully, because like I said last year, I couldn't make it, so I just watched online. So I'm hoping to come up there and see Mr. Zeller and go to a game. Can you say so? Like, <laughs> hold on. <laughs>